This is our Pacific Northwest Music. We're going to be talking to local musicians, bands, talking about their passions and why they play such awesome music. Why would I ever want to miss this? Find us on Instagram or Facebook, Our PNW Music, or our website, ourpnwmusic.com. Skagit Valley, you don't want to miss this. Since we're not able to meet with people in person at this time, we decided we're going to try and do some telephone interview uh, type deals. And so we had thought of one where we talk about the old art of listening to an album, the full album, before we made mixed tapes, before there were uh, on the the music streaming, you know, your playlist things. Before we had those, the full album was actually the playlist, all of the songs, not just the main songs that were out on the on the radio, but the whole thing. So we wanted to talk to people who musicians who remember that time and maybe that time is still now maybe they're still doing that but we just wanted to find out a little bit more about that all right well let's uh let's start by talking about ourselves um i'm kind of curious christine did you uh put us in a picture of a young christine Mm -hmm. um you know where did you listen to music and what what were you listening to sure i um i list always in my bedroom of course most of the time with headphones on and I had a very wide variety of music. I, I liked a lot of the dance music. Donna Summer was a big one of mine. I listened to her albums front to, you know, the whole thing over and over again. And I also liked a lot of hard rock. I had like every ACDC album that was the old Bon Scott era. I had all of those. I listened to those a lot. Lita Ford, I loved her. She was, you know, with Joan Jed and the Runaways back in the day. Um, but when she started doing solo stuff, I listened a lot to that. Um, heart, you know, I, mo- mostly like a kind of pop music and also um, hard rock is what I was into back then. Okay. And uh, were you listening on, uh, you know, tape deck, uh, mm-hmm. records? What were you doing? I, I had both. Well, I had albums at first when I was in my. I don't know, early teens maybe. And then when cassettes came out, or maybe they're already out, I'm not sure, but then I mostly it was cassettes after that. But I do remember listening to the vinyl in my room, uh, just staring at the the albums, the covers. Uh, really liked it when the uh, lyrics came with it. That was like a huge bonus when you could get an album that had the lyrics with it. That was great. That was before. Now you can just look up lyrics on, on online. But you didn't have that back then, so it, it, having the lyrics in front of you was great. Oh yeah, so I can I can remember being out in my living room and uh, we had a, a tape deck. It was actually double tape deck. Take top. It was actually a, a double tape deck, so uh-huh. you could actually you know kind of record stuff if you yes. wanted to and make your own little mixtapes. And yeah. anyway, I, I can remember laying there with my headphones on, and um, when when I was just listening to tape, so I really can just remember. Motley Crue, um, oh, yeah. the early Motley Crue. I was into like Shout of the Devil and mm-hmm. um, uh, theater, or not? Well, Theater of Pain had just come out, I think, when I was listening. Uh, but Too Fast for Love was her first album, and that was uh, those those two albums, uh, Shout of the Devil and Too Fast for Love. And I can remember stealing one of my dad's old uh, Hank Williams Jr. tapes and <laughs> and playing the heck out of that. I I used to love uh, 
Country Boy Can't Survive. And so I would listen to that whole album. And I don't really remember a whole much else because I was pretty young at that time. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but the uh, when we moved out um, when I was probably 10, we got our first CD player. And my parents took us to the store and said, you know, you could buy whatever you want. And I think I bought all my Motley Crue albums that I already <laughs> had, which was pretty stupid looking back. But um, my, my dad had um, – purchased a bunch of albums that were like his favorite albums and I can remember just sitting there and we would listen to uh, I think Neil Young Harvest Moon had just come out Mm -hmm. and oh man we would listen to that from start to finish and then um, uh, things like uh, the Beatles Sgt. Peppers Mm -hmm. um, but Tom Petty Full Moon Fever and then you know some Bob Dylan's. I think I think because he was a huge Bob Dylan, or he is a huge Bob Dylan fan. And so we would have like um, greatest hits were kind of the start, and then we'd get into some full albums and stuff. But um, man, I can remember just just start to finish. And then actually he he got into, and so it was real easy for me to get into some of the Seattle music when it came out, like sure. um, you know Pearl Jam, Alive, and uh, uh, Nirvana. Uh, you know, right. Just, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I can remember just sitting there, and, and we maybe work on puzzles, and just listen Aww. to the actual albums. You know. Oh, that's a neat. That's that's something fun to do. I never thought of that, putting together a puzzle or something while you're listening to it. It's kind of mindless, and you know, yeah. and it actually kind of kind of brings home what uh, what's going on now. So let's uh, let's let's yeah. talk to some folks and uh, and see what they have to say. Okay, sounds great. All right. So first of all, you know, who am I talking to, and and how would people know you? Uh, this is Corey Vincent from the Skagit Valley area, local musician. Um, you might know me from Josie Wales in the past and yeah. All right. Well, um, we're kind of doing this, uh, interesting episode here, kind of talking about albums as people are listening to music, uh, maybe in a different way, um, with, you know, the stay at home thing we got going on. And, um, I know that we recorded an episode with you, uh, prior that was a really unique way that people are listening to music on Facebook. And I still encourage people to, uh, you know, check that out and, and listen to that episode to find an easy way to, to, to watch that online or just check you out on, on, on Facebook to find that, that video. But, uh, you know, what we're talking about is, is just sitting down and fully listening to an album and uh man i know you i actually would say probably out a lot of my friends um you probably do this more now than a lot of people did uh before this but uh i don't know man uh you know if, if you're kind of looking back in your past i don't know whether it's currently or when you're maybe younger um what are some you know what's what's like a, a one album that really stuck out to you that you maybe want to listen to the whole thing um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I've always been the type of person to kind of, to listen to the whole album. So like the whole kind of modern movement toward the single and everything and Spotify, like I was definitely one of the last ones to jump on the Spotify thing. Cause it's <laughs> like, I, I've just always dug listening to the whole album. Um, probably one that sticks out the most, like I, you know, I started playing because of Steve Ravon's Texas flood album, but when I was like. I don't know, 15 or 16, I got uh, Black Sabbath Paranoid, and that was like just a total game changer. Um, I used to listen to it in my bedroom, you know, in the middle of the night, turned down on low, just laying my head right next to the speakers and just tripping out on everything that was going on. It was it was really groundbreaking for me because I was, at the time, you know, young and very 
bullheaded about if it wasn't blues, I didn't want to listen to it. And it was like, yeah. these guys were taking blues to the next level, you know, and it, it really just opened a lot of doors for me to discover other bands that they influenced and, and so on. And, um, what, uh, what was it a certain album? I, I didn't hear. Yeah. Paranoid, their second album. Okay. And, and kind of, kind of put yourself in place. Maybe, maybe, um, you got to verbally draw a picture of, of how you listen to that album. Oh yeah. I, uh, well, I got it at a, um, there used to be a, a, a vinyl store down in Everett and I, I picked it up there and I had a little, uh, set up in my small bedroom in our mobile home when I was a kid. And I had my dad's old turntable that he gave me and a couple of nice Boston acoustic speakers and the little bit of vinyl that I had, plus a lot of my dad's stuff, which was mostly like Hall and Oates and the Commodores and stuff. So I didn't listen to a lot of that, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just, I'd sit in there and, you know, in the daytime I'd listen to it and try and play along with it. But then it's like, you know, every once in a while in the middle of the night, I just kind of be there in my own thoughts and just really getting lost in the music. I feel like that was one of the first albums that I was able to just, I don't know. It it took me to another place where I could. I was just solely focused on listening to the music. You know. You mean uh, when you when you're saying the music, are you talking about the um, the guitar, the the, or just kind of the whole band together? Uh, what do you mean by that? I think uh, each each individual part. Yeah. Uh, uh, prior to that, you know, I was mostly focused on on guitar because that's what I was doing, and it, it was really cool for me to see. Um, it was like the the first I'd seen where everybody was excellent at their instruments, you know? And so the way that they were able to take all their personalities in their instrument and, and put it together to just have this awesome combination was just incredible to me. And then I really, um, I really dug the songwriting actually. I think that's something that gets overlooked um, with black Sabbath is there's just some great, uh, poetry in there really and it was you know some of the greatest definitely the greatest protest songs of all time kind of came in my opinion came from those albums and um yes yeah, so i i mean i i was getting lost in all of it i loved bill ward i loved the drums um the geezer's bass is unreal and of course tony iomi totally changed the way i i looked at the guitar and and then you throw ozzy in there and it was just it was perfect hmm yeah that's really cool and um was there something about the uh, the album that drew you in? Um, I don't know. A lot of times, I think that the something that's maybe lost today is album art or uh, you know the inner covers of albums with a record, you know that kind of thing. Um, you know, can you maybe can you talk through that a little bit? What drew you into it? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, I really like album art that much. Um, but it was, I was really excited to get it because it wasn't like a reissue, you know, it, at the time it was like, they were just kind of starting to like vinyl was starting to happen again and they would have some reissues at like Fred Meyer or something. But this one is like, I actually went and sought this out myself and found it, you know, secondhand, which I still would, would rather do. I'd like to have a copy that's, you know, actually from the seventies. Um, and not that it necessarily sounds better, but it's just, to me, there's, there's more memories in there and I, I just like it that way. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what drew me to it other than I, I was really curious. You know, I'd heard so much about Black Sabbath and, and, um, I knew that this was kind of their, their big album. Their first one was great too, but this was the one that kind of put them on the map. Well, um, you know, one thing that I, I actually found really cool is uh, I went back, uh, not have anything to do with this episode. And I listened to a couple of the songs off that album actually, um, because I heard, um, I'm a big fan of the the podcast Broken Record, and uh, Rick Rubin is a a big time producer, and he interviewed um, Ozzy Osbourne, and it was and and really really kind of dug into this uh, era of his uh, music career, and and it was really really fun to listen to Ozzy Osbourne talk about those times and how they created these songs, and uh, I don't know it was it was very interesting to listen to the music after hearing the interview. Have you ever done anything like that? Oh, for sure. I'm I'm definitely a, a nerd when it comes to that stuff. It's like I'll I love listening to all the backstories and reading biographies and um, yeah, I love all that stuff. And I totally do. You know, you start to to hear different things after you learn about you know maybe what the artist was going through at that time or or how the recording process went. Like with that one, you know, it was so fast because they weren't a well known band. There wasn't a lot of money thrown at them. And it was just raw, and it was just great, man. But, yeah, I, I love all the backstory stuff. Music can make us feel like something we are not. When I was in high school, I loved Lita Ford and Madonna, and their music would play through my head when I walked around the school grounds with my black leather jacket on, thinking I was really badass. But in reality, I was more like a kind of a sad, overlooked Janis Joplin type. So my question to you is name either an album, song, or musician who you wanted to emulate, you wanted to be, and why. Oh, definitely. Uh, more recently, Jack White. Um, he had, he put an album out. I think it was his second solo album called Lazaretto. And it just absolutely blew my mind. And I've been obsessed with him ever since. And it's there's a handful of artists. I was actually just talking about this on another interview that uh, – really influence what I do and he's definitely on that list and I just everything he does his style his songwriting uh his production is amazing um so yeah Jack White's definitely on that list was there um, a certain was there a certain song off of there that uh that really stuck out that maybe maybe might be able to be played on the radio oh man I mean I would I would just play the first one off it's called uh three women and it's um, it's just a hell of a way to kick off an album, and it really kind of sets the tone. And there's there's stuff on there that sounds completely different than that. And that's that's the thing I love about Jack White is he's so eclectic in his mix. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, I've always been a fan of, you know, when I'm listening to something on the radio, they're, they're like, okay, here's the first track off the album, because then it's like, okay, now I got to go listen to the rest of this, you know. What musician? album song portrayed who you really felt like you really were inside Hmm. that's a that's a deep question man (laughs) i think i'm still trying to figure out who i am (laughs) (laughs) um man that's dang that's a tough one uh gosh i i don't know if i can think right off the top of my head i would say um I would say some some Warren Haynes uh, like Government Mule songs. There's a couple songs he's written that really um, kind of just seems like 
you know, similar themes that I would, uh, that I would write about. Um, but yeah, that's a tough question. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right. Well, you know, this was just kind of a, a quick interview and, um, just kind of curious, how can people find you and, uh, where do you want to kind of direct people to Mr. Corey Vincent? Yeah, you can, uh, go to my website is just Corey V music.com. And that's got everything you need to know. And then it's also got links to all my social media accounts and my YouTube page and all that stuff. So that's probably the easiest way. All right. Well, hey, man, thanks a lot for coming on and, and chatting about this uh, really interesting topic here with this whole new situation we're in. Yeah, man, thanks for having me anytime. Uh, who am I talking to? Who are you, and, and uh, how would people know you? Uh, I'm Michelle Montoya. I'm the singer of the band Gin Gypsy. Right on. Well, you know, we're doing this uh, this podcast kind of just all about different albums, maybe something that uh, that you listened to as a kid, and, and we're kind of in this weird time right now where people are maybe reverting back to <laughs> just kind of hanging out at home with not a whole lot to do, possibly. Not saying that that's you, but, um, you know, some people are. <laughs> and uh, so we're kind of reflecting on that and uh, just kind of curious if uh, you had an album in mind that uh, that maybe you used to do that with in the past or currently. Yeah, totally. It was really fun to think about it, you know, because it has been so long since we would get an actual album and go home and sit and look at it and study it and, you know, look at the pictures and the lyrics and who wrote it and who produced it. And it's uh, it's sad that we've lost that. So it was fun to uh, think about that again and to narrow it down to what were my favorites. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, then what is your, uh, you know, what's the one that you can recall most? You know, the one that stood out for me the most was Michael Jackson, Off the Wall. Off the Wall was not an album I possessed, but I do remember it very well. I remember being in eighth grade, I think, when it came out. Although I knew of the Jackson 5, they were not on my radar, but this album did put Michael Jackson um, on my radar. So I want to know, were you a big Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson fan before this album uh, came out or was this just a beginning of a new love affair with him or was this just a one-time appreciation uh, of Michael Jackson and you weren't really into his stuff later? Um, I, I don't really remember a time that I didn't know who Michael Jackson was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up with variety shows and so the Jackson 5 were often on variety shows. So I definitely knew who Michael Jackson was, but Off the Wall was the first uh, I'd ever heard of him doing something solo. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Jackson 5 was so fun and, and such like bubblegum fun music for all. Uh, but then with uh, Off the Wall, I could tell that this was not a Jackson 5 project. This was definitely a personal Michael Jackson project. It was the first time I'd ever heard him on his own. So right. that was very different, but I was already a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, can you kind of talk a little bit, uh, almost like put us, uh, give us a picture, almost like a verbal picture of, uh, you know, you listening to this album. Was it in a car? Was it in a house or room? You know, did you have headphones on Were you, you know, what the album look like? That kind of thing. <laughs> Funny thing is it didn't belong to me. In fact, <laughs> I don't think I ever actually, Maybe I, I think what happened, my neighbor was playing it and she was older than me and she was cooler than me. Uh. And, and I, I heard this album playing at her house 
And I was just immediately intrigued, immediately wanted to just listen to it over and over and over. And uh, I don't think she was into it as much as I was. So uh, she would have me put headphones on and just listen to it by myself, which was totally fine with me. But I listened to it so much that if I recall, I think she just let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So I took it home and listened to it more. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, did this uh, did this start something? Was it was this was this something you had already done? Um, I guess what I'm what I'm kind of getting after is, um, did this help like influence your your music style or, or or love for different types of music? Yeah, I mean, I've been singing since I could speak, but there were definitely uh, several songs, several albums, several artists that just pushed that along even further. And this was definitely one of those moments that was just so moving for me that, um, yeah, it definitely made me want to do that, even if it was just for a hobby. What's a, you know, what's a couple of the songs you can kind of pick out and maybe talk about a little bit on the album? Um, uh, I have two favorites. Uh, uh, number one, probably She's Out of My Life. It was just so beautiful and so raw and emotional and just stripped down and not a lot of bells and whistles, not a lot of production, just a beautiful, beautiful song. And then uh, the other, uh, the very first track was Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, which was just fun and energetic and just really sort of encapsulated the end of the 70s disco era. Mm. It was just a super fun, high energy song. How do you think this album differs from his later masterpiece, Thriller? Um... It was just a little less, a lot less produced. Um, you know, just it was just a little more personal and and um, I don't know. I mean, Thriller. How can anything really compare to Thriller? But I still think I like Off the Wall better. It was just more immature in a good way and less produced in a good way. I like that. Yeah, and and that that makes a big difference. But it's weird to kind of put. Put put it back into uh, I don't know radio of that time. I think uh, obviously we're not talking about radio, but I, I guess I'm just kind of relating to that a little bit as you're talking. Um, I'm kind of thinking, man, how weird that uh, once Thriller came out, it really overshadowed this album. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I think all the fame just took him to a whole different level. That I like to look at off the wall, and it was before everything went so crazy and before he became this different person. And, you know, like you were asking about the album cover, you know, I remember on the front, he's, he's just young and smiling and skinny and natural. And, you know, before whatever happened to his brain happened, he was still just a fun, sweet person with amazing talent. It was before all the darkness came, you know, yeah, that's I like how you put that. I mean, that's very true. And uh, can you kind of pull maybe just like a few one hitter, uh, you know, without kind of getting into them, just some other albums that maybe uh, maybe after this, maybe before this, whatever that you connected with? Uh, not necessarily Michael Jackson. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it chronologically because I just kind of bounce all over the place. But uh, anything Queen really stood out for me. I mm. absolutely love Freddie Mercury. And I was really, really uh, intrigued by the artwork on the cover of, uh, what's it called, uh, News of the World, with the giant robot, and he's holding the band in his 
hands like he's killed him, but he didn't mean to. It's really, <laughs> really fascinating to me. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever seen uh, artwork, art, uh, an album cover quite so dark and alarming. And it was, uh, it was just cool. I liked it. Yeah, it's really weird how uh, that's kind of a forgotten thing is how an album cover can really just uh, entice somebody to want to listen to music. It's really weird. Yeah, it was just a fun image to stare at while you were listening to the music. It really didn't have anything to do with anything as far as I could piece together, but it was just art and cool. Well, how can, um, you know, this is just a quick little interview. We're just kind of touching base with a few people. How could people, because obviously I want to point out too that, uh, you know, you're on our radar for sure to be on the episode and we can't wait for that. But um, how, in the meantime, if people want to listen to your music or find you, um, how do they do that? I believe we're on all platforms now. Um, uh, Pandora and Spotify and CD Baby. I believe you can buy our album on Amazon. Um yeah, I don't think there's a platform that you can't find us on. So, so, so Gin Gypsy and then uh, Gin Gypsy on social media or any music playing platform and should probably be able to find our album. We've got a, a video out there that, gosh, last time we checked, uh, I believe it had reached 80,000 people. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we filmed that last summer. Oh, it's so cool. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I, and I saw you guys uh, live New Year's Eve with Whiskey Fever. It was amazing, and I just I encourage people that uh, you know once uh, once we get back to uh, maybe a new normal um, to go check you guys out. Thank you so much. All right. Well, hey, I'm here with Andy Brown. Uh, can you kind of talk uh, about uh, maybe how people listening to the show might know you in the uh, Skagit and Bellingham area? You bet, Rudy. It, well, and I'm in a greenhouse right now because I'm drinking beer with some of my friends 10 feet apart uh it's a sunny day and so if you hear some rattling it's because the wind's picking up a little bit but um anyway i have uh been uh, a musician in the valley uh for a lot of years since the early 90s in um bands like hindu grass pavlov jones uh, fortune 500 and Whiskey Fever, mostly a drummer in those bands, except for bass player in um, Fortune 500. Andy, what's an album that was popular amongst your peer group that you just couldn't get into? Maybe you thought they were a little overrated. Oh, man, that is a good question. I wasn't ready for that. But uh, um, so I grew up, I'm a, I'm a little older than some of the musicians I play with normally but um i came of age kind of in the in the late 70s and 80s and people can't still to this day can't get enough of journey and i i don't have a problem with journey i'll you know i'll rock out to some journey sometimes usually when there's girls around but journey was never my favorite <laughs> thing in the world right around that time it was when the hair metal came around and i man that just was not my thing i because i kind of came of age with a I mean, the Beatles were always in the background and that kind of thing, but I couldn't get into the uh, the hair metal stuff, man. That just drove me crazy. Really a bad time. Plus, it was right when I was going to college. So, you know, in this fun party atmosphere, there's parties all the time. I was over in, at Washington State University, go Cougs, in Pullman. And so there's a lot of fun stuff happening, but man, there's just hair metal everywhere. It just wasn't working for me. 
what's an album that you loved but didn't want your friends to know you were into? Huh. Well, also, as a product of the uh, late 70s, I am vulnerable to Yacht Rock stuff. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, if I hear an Elton John song on the radio or albums from Elton or uh, Jesus, you know what? One of one of our a buddy of mine, Gary Johnson. He and I, we would uh, when we were dating, quote unquote, girls, and we'd end up at at a place <laughs> and put on some music. Well, he would always listen to England Band and John Ford Cooley. Not very well known by a lot of people, but or at least nowadays, but um, guaranteed to get you halfway to first base. For sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, not, I've, I've, so, so it would have been Journey would have taken all the way, I guess. Um, <laughs> Journey got me thrown out of second a few times, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What's your guilty pleasure album, one that maybe has zero transformative meaning, but that you just really liked? Um, yeah, that is another good question. I I can listen to uh, Paul and Oates. You know what? I... I feel bad for saying this because I'm sure if Jack hears about this, Jack Mattingly, Whiskey Fever. Um, well, he knows already, I guess. But it's, it is, I guess what I'm expressing here is a guilty, for sure, guilty pleasure. But most of the albums that I like, that I was throwing that tape deck, throwing in the tape deck or putting on the, on the turntable were, <laughs> were greatest hits albums. I love mm. me some greatest hits albums, <laughs> <laughs> particularly Hall and Oates, good one. Uh, Elton John, greatest hits. I mean, I I could not get enough greatest hits albums. I'm sad to say it, it's embarrassing, but that is my guilty pleasure. I used to listen to a lot of those. Well, I'd say probably one step further in the uh, the than that. So there, there's actually a deeper one than that would have been like uh, a, a compilation of one hit wonders. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I've done that too. Yeah. I, I was, I was vulnerable and susceptible to that too. Well, let's talk about, you know, I guess, I guess right now, uh, what's going on out here, um, uh, is that a lot of people are finding themselves, uh, with the stay home, uh, they're finding themselves almost, I, I, I've seen some things on social media where they're almost reverting back to, uh, a time when, when they were just, when they had nothing but time and they're kind of sitting around listening to albums and stuff. And can you uh, maybe just kind of take a page out of, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's current or, or, or younger or, you know, midlife or whatever, you know, as compared to where you're at now. Um, what was, what scenario would you put yourself in when you were listening to like a full album? Yeah. Good question. And I, um, I have coincidentally, I've talked uh, with Christine about this a little bit in the past and because we've sort of um, had a, had a cocktail and talked about what our, some of our favorite albums were in the past. And I, I came up at a time where albums were starting to fade out a little bit and you could make a mixtape or you could drive around listening to singles. And, um, and I did a lot of that. It worked for me, but I'd, some of the, Full albums that I would listen to and still do to this day. In fact, 
and I guess it coincides with me <laughs> being old enough to drive around in a car or ride around in a car before I had my license. So like 14, 15, 16, 17, around that, 18. Man, I, I remember distinctly the first time I heard Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, Damn the Torpedoes, come on. And I, it blew my mind. And I, I was born and raised in Cedar Woolley. And so when you lived in Cedar Woolley, it was, it was kind of rock and roll or country. And there was nothing really in between at that time. Of course, there was some disco that came around, but we, that wasn't <laughs> happening really with me and my group. But, um, and so Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, especially Damn the Torpedoes album, just fit so nicely between those two genres. Like it was rock and roll, but it was a little bit of a country and Southern rock edge, you know? So for all those Leonard Skinner fans, and there were a lot of them in Cedra Woolley, it worked it, all the way around. And man, whenever I hear that album, any song off that album, it reminds me of, um, of just cruising around in a car, going down past the old timers <laughs> and other places we couldn't get into. But yeah, it's, uh, that album in particular sure had an effect on me. Plus I love Stan Lynch's drumming. I sure wish he didn't, didn't become a problem and, <laughs> have to leave the band for whatever reason that is but um it had an effect on me in a lot of those ways his drumming but mostly just rocking out to that album well um i'm kind of curious because you picked that album um uh, now i i i i kind of more grew up uh now with full moon fever and that kind of thing i'm kind of more of an acoustic I don't know, maybe acoustic Tom Petty fan. I don't know if that's right, but maybe just without the Heartbreakers. But um, and that's only because of, of you know what was playing in my house when I was young, and um, sure. and so I I, I was kind of more of a greatest hits when it came to that, like Refugee, <laughs> uh, Don't Do Me Like That, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, but but uh, wasn't there like a bonus edition of that too? Is that is that was that around when you were playing this? No, it wasn't around at the time, and I oh, that album. I'm not aware of that, but I could be wrong about that. Like Jack surrender. Know. He knows everything about Tom Petty. Yeah. Well, that was a horrible question then. Um, <laughs> uh, um, anyway, yeah. So, so pick out, uh, you know, a couple songs from that because I think I think it's different when you you, know, you talk about a whole album and then maybe break it down, maybe maybe a song or two. Uh, talk about like you know was there maybe maybe there was a song when you know you're passing by the group of ladies walking down the street you might switch it to that one or maybe there's a there you know some of your friends are coming up and you're like oh man I got to find that other song and you know uh, I want to be the, the the cool song on this album playing I don't know if you can relate to that well you know I mean it's that album starts out right out of the gates the first song refugee just right from the get go cranks. Every album I've ever been a part of, really, has like the first song. I kind of like to, I like to, you know, try to argue for a song that kind of slowly eases into a, a good groove, but not just doesn't come hit you right out of the gate across the face. But that song, that album, and Refugee just boom right out of the gates. And so, always love that song. Of course, who doesn't? And um, there were 
uh, at the end of the album. I think the very last song is, uh, I think it's Louisiana Rain. Yeah. And um, and my buddy, one of my buddies, Craig. He, whenever I'd take him home, I was always driving. Usually at that time, often I had a car. So, <laughs> and he always had to hear that on the way home. And he just loved that song and it put him in the mood probably to go to sleep or something. I don't know. He just loved it. He's a, he's a melancholy guy sometimes on the way home. And so he would, uh, would request that all the time on the way home, but every song in between the first and the last, I mean, it's just, it's just a roller coaster, somewhat of, of, of great songs, man. I just, that's, that album still holds up. I just love it. And I'm not a fan normally of keyboards in a band. That's just for whatever yeah. reason. Not my thing normally in a rock band anyway. But boy, they sure work with the Heartbreakers. Always has. I, I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, just maybe some one hitters? Uh, not maybe diving so deep into them, but uh, can you kind of name off some albums, maybe even newer or uh, kind of maybe you know, as you progress in life, kind of different albums maybe you listen to? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have, it's funny, you know, I, like a lot of people, I guess, I, um, I don't listen to a ton of full albums these days. Like when most people, if you're on Spotify or Pandora or whatever, you just kind of hear the singles and, and it moves on to whatever else. But I still love listening to albums, especially from like local artists. Mostly the, the main full albums I listen to anymore are from local bands, people I know, people we played with. I'll give those a listen all the way through and I just love it. It's great. Even if not of them, not every song is, you know, a top, a gold standard hit. But I can't get enough of like, we have so many great local musicians around here. Like whenever Jacob Navarro puts something out, I'm listening to it. Um, they're always good. Uh, the enthusiasts, great. They don't have an album really yet, but I can't wait till they do. I love, I can't listen to the Mosstones album, their debut album enough. I just love that. Every song is, is killer. And we listen on our whiskey fever road trips. We would um, listen to that. <laughs> To their uh, album a lot we all loved it fanny alger has a catalog you could pick anyone off of any of their albums it's great and i chris Nalanzito, bellingham singer song writer um you can't there's no bad songs on any of her albums just love it lazy acres Corey vincent i mean i'm just kind of throwing names out there but man when I'm listening to music these days, unless I've got just a random Pandora or Spotify on, it's usually local stuff. I just, I really am enjoying it. And it's kind of neat how the scene is, feels like it's kind of building up a little bit, at least until this virus came around. It'll come back though. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, uh, and you know, I can, I could say as a fan of local music as well, that, uh, you know, Andy, you're a part of that. And uh, I just, I really appreciate, uh, everything you've put into, uh, even if it doesn't feel like much, you know, because you're just, you know, you're, you're doing what you, you want to do. And, uh, but you know, I appreciate what you do out there. I appreciate hearing that Rudy. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's just an honor being a part of it. I, I can't believe 
that I am really, I started out playing music, being pulled into a band kind of begrudgingly. And, um, it was not my idea. I was too old to be in a band at that time. I was like, what? We can't start a band. I'm, <laughs> I'm 28 years old. I'm way too old to be in a band, you know? And, um, and, uh, but I allowed them to pull me into it and I'm just surprised as anybody and feel very fortunate to be able to play with all the great, you know, friends and musicians that, um, that I've been able to play with, um, up to this day. It's still kind of a surprise when I wake up in the morning, but I'm sure happy about it. Keeps me going. Absolutely. Well, Hey Andy, I just really appreciate your time and, uh, it's a, it's a fun subject to talk about and it sure is. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to, I, I I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, what other folks have to say about this. I, I appreciate being a part of it, Rudy. Right on, man. Thanks so much, Andy. Uh, have a good night. Thank and you, Rudy. Enjoy, enjoy yourself. All right, man. You too. All right. Well, I'm sitting down here. Well, not sitting down. We're in uh, interesting times, but uh, talking with uh, Shane, can you kind of talk about who you are and how people might know you? Yo, well, I'm Shane Gilmet, Skagit County native, lived here all my life. Uh, went to grade school in Cedar Woolley. Went to high school in Mount Vernon. Now I live in Burlington. And I've been playing uh, rock and roll music in Skagit County since the 80s with some good friends. Um, I used to be in a band called Stagnant Water. I was in a band called Blue Green. And uh, for the last umpteen years, I've been in a band called Fanny Alger. Um, so that's who, I'm at, who I am. I'm a wanted man, so I don't want to give you too much more info about my location kind of top secret <laughs> yeah well uh, i won't send anybody that way if i do find out sir i did not discover most of my favorite bands musicians on my own they were introduced to me by other people who is one of your favorite artists that was recommended to you by somebody else oh i've got lots of those uh oingo boingo adam and the ants uh i got both of those uh bands just uh, they consumed my life after I heard them on tapes that had been recorded from records that had been passed around. Um, Trace them back to a guy named Matt Phillips, who later I became good friends with. But at the time I got the tapes, I had no idea who Matt was. Um, and so I had listened to these ch- tapes uh, as a seventh grader, eighth grader, and they just changed my life, um, put me on a whole new trajectory for uh, my musical tastes, and and uh, then of course years later, run turns out I meet the guy, we become fast friends, and uh, yeah, so that's that's one example. I also had a cousin, an older cousin, who turned me on to music when I was a young guy. Um, so he uh, would play me some uh, music that he heard and he knew about, and kind of learned a lot from him. Um, yeah, and and even today, still today. Um, Every once in a while, Jack Mattingly will text me a cool new band, like uh, the Mountain Goats. They're not even that new, but uh, he texts me a link to the Mountain Goats. I turn, listen to them. I really get into them, and then I'm like, oh, my God, this, this, uh, this, this is the, the drummer of the Mountain Goats. This is a guy, Johnny Earthshoe, who used to be in a band called Earthshoes for the Needy that I listened to in the 80s. Goes by the name Johnny Worcester now. Oh. But anyway, so still, I'm still relying on my friends and family to send me cool music and i think that's that's how we hear good stuff is is uh word of mouth 
We rely on DJs. Yeah, well, I kinda... podcasts. Like you, in fact, Rudy, you just turned me on to. Uh, um, oh, God, I'm just her name's just escaping me right now. But um, she's got three names. She had a song called "The Gardener." You played on your podcast. Um, Zito. Yes, Chris and Bam. Alan Zito. So yes, the latest one of the latest new my new favorite uh, musicians is uh, because I listen to your podcast. Right. Oh, you know, another way, too, that I actually found some some music was uh, different podcasts and maybe some of the music they use for their intros. Uh, one of the one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, they use a song. Uh, is it called Tennessee Whiskey or something by uh, Devil Makes Three? And I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but uh, it's just kind of one of those bands is like, these guys are really good. How have I never heard of them kind of thing? So anyway, Devil Makes yeah. Three. I don't know. Yeah. Power way. to the podcast. Spreading the music. You know, we used to, I used to listen to a lot of radio. I'm a big fan of radio and DJs that would turn me on to cool music. There was a radio station when I was a teenager called KYYX out of Seattle. They played a lot of good music, new wave music and uh, progressive. Uh, what, you know, it turned into, well, I don't know what it would turn into. You know, it was sort of punk and independent yeah. music. But, yeah, DJs are super important, I think. They're, they're good people. What about uh, so? I mean, you know, you've kind of you've kind of uh, you know grazed across uh, <laughs> various portions of your life already. But can you kind of maybe put the listener into uh, a moment, whether it's now, uh, you know, ten years ago, forty years ago, whatever? Uh, you know, what was kind of an album maybe that uh, you something you still listen to that you just sat down and used to listen to the whole album? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, do, you, do you remember the Columbia Tape and Records oh, Club? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For one penny, you could <laughs> mail in a, a penny, and they would send you like 14 records, and they'd come in a great big box filled with records, and you'd get them out, and they'd all smell brand new, and you'd yank off the, the, the plastic wrap and, um, and, and throw it on the record player. And I remember listening to some great, great music back then, like the Cars Candio. That album is still super good, start to finish. Uh, and you know, I could just put that on my really crappy stereo and and listen to it all night long. Um, and still holds up. A lot of the music I listened to back then, of course, you know, you kind of move on and, and find different stuff. But I'd say the Cars Candio is a great album that still holds up today. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. So can, can you kind of talk about uh, one thing that, that's kind of interesting about uh, right now, how we're, we're a lot of people anyway are kind of stuck at home and um, and they're, maybe they're they're reverting back to, uh, you know, the Shane, little Shane listening to the cars and, uh, you know, however old you were. But can you maybe kind of, I don't know, maybe paint a, a verbal picture of, of what you were doing um you know did you lay down to listen to it were you sitting around was it in your car well it was a record so probably not but you know maybe maybe just kind of walk through that a little bit it's funny that you say that rudy because back then as it's as a teenager and um when you were young yeah. uh, it, i had a lot of time on my hands and uh, that provided for uh, the ability to not listen to music as a background activity mm. but it was actually the activity so uh, for me, it was putting headphones on and laying down and listening to them, usually with the album in my hand, staring up at the album, looking at the artwork, reading the liner notes, 
reading the lyrics if they came with it man <laughs> albums that came with lyrics that was the best because then you could just follow along like it was a hymnal and you were at church singing along you know you could follow the, and it wasn't fair to read ahead no fair reading ahead in the lyrics you got to read as the singer sang them so if there was a bridge or something you just kind of paused and contemplated on that and then when they picked it up into the third verse well then you could read forward with them but for me i you know i read along with the lyrics and stared at that artwork and I read everything. I mean, you'd read the copyright notices and know the name of the publishing company that the songwriters published the music through and who wrote the songs. And, and it's funny, you know, in the, in, in the information age of all this, uh, you know, we do have the ability to go in and research our albums and see all that information because of the internet. But when you play a song or you stream a song on one of these streaming services, um, for me, at least now, I don't know if it's because I'm older or not or whatnot, but you don't get that connection with the actual album. You know, I don't really go off and go, oh, who was the publishing yeah. company who published this song? <laughs> but now that we've got this time on our hands, it is a great time to just get some big, fat, heavy headphones. I'm not talking about light little tiny earbuds that go inside your ears. I'm talking about those like NASA spaceship uh, headphones that you put on that are huge clamp down on your head and you can't hear anything from the outside world. And all you can hear is that record. And lots of times the, the producers will sneak in sneaky stuff like a synthesizer that goes from your left ear all the way to your right ear or something fun like that. And maybe on the fourth or fifth listen, you hear some maraca that you'd never heard before. And on the eighth or ninth list, then you hear, oh, man, somebody made a mistake in the backup vocal track right there. That stuff was fun for me. It was a lot of discovery. I, I got to throw something in there. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I was listening to um, uh, the – well, we you know, we have a, a, a playlist that we play, and it's, you know, it's off Spotify. And uh, as a family, it's all kind of just songs that I, my wife and I maybe like or whatever. And uh, – uh, we have, you know, we had recently gotten some new speakers in our house, uh, you know, kind of more, I don't know, you know, higher quality type speaker. And uh, and, and so I, we were, you know, one of the songs that we were playing a family game and one of the songs that came on was uh, now I'm going to blank. It was the uh, it was the Beatles off of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely oh, Hearts yeah. Club Band. And it was uh, uh, a day in the yeah. life. And it was it was so random. We're sitting around listening to this song, and all of a sudden, there was my both my daughters. It's very end uh, where, where he hits the piano. Uh, you know, somebody hits the piano and it just carries out. And uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if the listeners can relate, but but then all of a sudden, uh, somewhere deep in this track, there was a noise that I couldn't hear, my wife couldn't hear, my kids put both their hands on their their ears and they were like ah you know they're just screaming out and uh you know it's kind of almost exactly like what you're just talking about it's like you know most kids i never even knew that when i was a kid we, we had that album i used to listen to that album when i was a kid but we we're probably on some low budget <laughs> yeah, speakers in yeah. our house and never heard that That's before funny. so yeah it's kind of cool i did hear a story, uh, a story that john lennon put a high pitch frequency on the end of one of his albums maybe that was the one to inter to, to that dogs could hear but people couldn't yeah, they were. They were. Oh, so well, there you go. Yeah, so maybe you finally got some. Well, there it is. I yeah, found you it. Did. Your speakers go up to twenty k hertz, <laughs> and you heard it. <laughs> there it is. Most of my music friends in my late teens and early twenties were big time Pink Floyd fans. 
but I didn't see what all the fuss was about when I would think I was in eighth grade when another brick in the wall came out and we did have that as an anthem. Um, but as a whole, I just didn't really get the whole Pink Floyd thing until I was about 22. And I saw a music video by Pink Floyd. I've been searching for it. Can't find it where they were kind of standing out in a field playing and it just clicked in my head. It was like, oh, I get it now. I get why everyone's into Pink Floyd. Um, do you have an artist or an album or something that uh, kind of flicked a light switch on for you like Pink, like the Pink Floyd video did to me? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, that's a good question. Um, somebody that was so-so, and then they just hit me. Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, man. Led Zeppelin is one of those bands. I just couldn't figure it out. I didn't know what all the fuss was about. And uh, then one day I was on the way to a Negative Land concert with my friend Holly West, who now is Holly Phillips. Actually, she's married to Matt Phillips, the guy I was talking about earlier that turned me on to music. <laughs> anyway, she played me some Led Zeppelin. And at that time, in that moment, that just hit me how genius that uh, that band was. And... Uh, so yeah, they Led Zeppelin snuck up on me. That's for sure. Yeah, I like that. Well, hey, um, I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. I don't know if the radio station is actually going to do it, but uh, they mentioned they might. But uh, Shane, you know, you kind of you kind of uh, alluded when I when I was kind of throwing this out there, like, hey, you know, you, you want to come on and talk uh, because I know that you have this vast knowledge of music over um you know we won't talk about over how many years right but uh you know you know um you mentioned that uh one of the <laughs> one of the bands that kind of stuck out was uh pink floyd the wall and maybe that was at a certain time in your life um maybe you could just kind of bring us back there and uh kind of talk about that album a little bit yeah yeah that was probably the first album i really got into as an album and not just songs and i know that's kind of what you're focusing this podcast on is the albums themselves and not really the songs. And to me nowadays, I'm, I, I like this, the idea of this podcast because I feel the same way that an album is a package to me just because probably because of the, my vintage, my age group, um, you know, it started in the fifties. It was all about the singles, you know, they just released singles after single after single. And then kind of, it was in the sixties and the seventies where bands like the Beatles and other bands, uh, bands started producing them as albums where they made sense from beginning to end and they had killer cover art and and the whole package tied together as a full you know one hour experience um and the wall was probably one of the first the probably the first album that i really got into it's a kind of cheating because it's a double album but um I remember when right before the album came out, my older cousin gave me a, a single of Another Brick in the Wall, and I took it to school. I was in sixth grade, and there was a record player in the back of the in the back of the class. And I went in and I put on Another Brick in the Wall, and it was like we don't need no education. And all the kids kind of hunkered around the record player in the back, and pretty soon there was a little bit of a mob. And, we were all looking at Mr. Toth, and Mr. Toth was looking at us, and we were looking at Mr. Toth, and it got real, real interesting. And then the album came out, and, uh, of course, the album's a concept album, you know? It means something from the beginning to the end. It tells a big story. It takes you through a process. You go through catharsis with the main character, and that was powerful. You could just sit and listen to that thing, and... 
it was somewhat interactive, right? Because it was four, two records, but four sides. So every 20 minutes or so, you'd have to flip the album over and listen to the next side. And then you'd listen to another side. And then when you got to the next part, you'd get up and it was like intermission. You'd get up and flip the album over until you listened to all four sides. But I thought that was a great album. That was one of the first albums that I really got into. Um, I don't listen to it much anymore, but I sure did then. And I do, I, by the way, as a side note, I can connect, I can connect the wall to Kevin Bacon in less than seven steps if you, if you want me to. All right. Tony Tennille sang backups on the wall. Tony Tennille was Tennille from Captain and Tennille. The captain, his name was Daryl Dragon. His brother was Dennis Dragon, who was in a band called the Surf Punks. And the Surf Punks were in a movie called Erg, A Music War with a band called XTC. XTC sang a song called Happy Families. That was on the She's Having a Baby soundtrack. Kevin Bacon started and She's Having a Baby. Bam. How's that? I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, it's exactly a conversation like that that uh, just kind of we're going to close with and and mention that fact that, uh, you know, we got to get you on the podcast for real, um, you know, and uh, after after, you know, the doors open up and we can all co-mingle together and, and, and make it legal. And so um, in the meantime, though, is there a place where people can find you, um, you know? Like maybe not you, but maybe a band or, or you know, is there? Is, do you have any music out there? Do you have any uh, websites or anything like that? Heck yeah, absolutely. Go to uh, go to facebook.com slash Fanny Alger. That's F-A-N-N-Y Alger. Um, or go to YouTube and type in Fanny Alger and uh, watch our documentary on when we visited Memphis and recorded an album at Sun Studios. Uh, there's a great documentary on there. It's like three parts. It's a lot of fun to watch. You got a little time on your hands. And then also we got some uh, music videos and uh, uh, just some songs and stuff like that on YouTube and connected us through Facebook. We're, we've got a lot of time to just reply and say hi. So um, we really miss playing. We miss practicing together. And uh, we can't wait until we can get back out there and have a revival and invite you all. And I hope, you're, I hope all of your listeners come and hope you come too, Rudy. Absolutely, man. Hey, it's been fun talking, Shane. I can't wait to uh, to meet up and, and do it in person one time. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of uh, you and Christine. You're doing something really cool here, and I totally love it. And I love that Christine Allen Zito song that you had on the with Bare Feet and uh, Jack Mattingly, and uh, that, was a, that was a great podcast. All right, on. Well, thanks for the feedback, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to our Pacific Northwest music. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out next week. Thanks so much to our friends Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever. That was the track you heard at the start. And here it is again. Wouldn't want to miss this off the album Oceans of Trouble. Go check it out. They're from Cedro Wood. Ooh, you wouldn't want to miss this.